Here. Mr. Halchins? Here. Mr. Murphy? Here. No, Ms. Shelton is absent. Dr. Newman? Here. And Mr. Fraley? Here. Thank you, Lenny. It appears we do have a quorum. Uh, we'll get into our first regular agenda item. All right. Item number one, City Planning Commission for a General Plan Amendment to Plan Norfolk 2030 to incorporate new or modified actions, text, and maps based on recommendations from the April 2017 biannual evaluation of Plan Norfolk 2030. Thank you, Lenny. Um, just want to make sure any commissioners have any comment or question on any of that. Lenny. The motion is to recommend that the zoning text amendment be approved. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Alchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. All right. Item number two is also by the City Planning Commission. This is an amendment to amend Chapter 2 definitions and Section 13-6.7 communication antenna of the city zoning ordinance to add a definition for small cell facility and to amend related definitions and address small cell antenna as accessory structures. Thank you, Lenny. Mr. Uh, I think we heard from Mr. Melita earlier. This is driven quite a bit by a state legislature. Any comments you want to make on that, Mr. Melita? Um, just, Mr. Chair, that um, the new changes uh, passed by the General Assembly go into effect July 1st. Um, and they permit authorities to establish a, um, a permitting process uh, for um, any wireless small cell facilities that are requested in the locality. So this text amendment would exercise that permission um, and add to the uh, planning department an administrative review process in the event we get those applications for that uh, new type of uh, 5G facility, which isn't available yet, but um, it's being worked on. Thank you. All right. Lenny. The motions to recommend that the zoning text amendment be approved. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. All right. Item number three, Norfolk Building Corp for a change of zoning from R8 single family to R9 single family. For property located at 1101 through 1113 East Leachester Avenue. Thanks, Lenny. Chris? Good afternoon. This is an application from the Norfolk Building Corporation for a rezoning from R8 single family district to R9 single family district at 1101 to 1113 East Leicester Avenue. It's located along the south side of East Leicester Avenue uh, within the Bayview neighborhood. Uh, which is developed mostly with residential single-family duplexes and it's the request is to allow for four new single-family homes which would all be on lots 46 and a half feet wide each um, the it's right now it's one lot um, one single lot about 0.85 acres in, in size and the proposal would be to subdivide that into four uh, lots with 46.5 feet wide each So um, again, the request is to ch change the zoning district from R8 to R9, which uh, would allow for that subdivision of the four lots uh, because the R9 district uh, requires a minimum of 40 feet per, per lot, uh, the width, and then 4,000 square feet in area. 
So um, one thing with this site uh, is that it is within uh, the, the rear portion of the site is within the accident potential zone two, uh, which was established uh, in conjunction with the Navy uh, during the 2005 Hampton Roads joint land use study. Um, and as part of that, there are certain zones uh, such as the APZ2 that have certain recommendations as far as what uses are or are not compatible in those zones. In this case, uh, for single family residential, the require or the recommendation is that it not exceed in the APZ2 zone, it not exceed one to two dwelling units per acre. Um, and then it, so it's conditionally compatible. Um, in this case, you have a, a lot that's less than an acre. Uh, and the proposal would be to put four dwelling units there, more than, more than doubling the recommendation of the uh, joint land use study. And the other thing, and it kind of ties in with the joint land use study as well, is the uh, general plan, uh, Plan Norfolk 2030, for this site designates as single family traditional which calls for lots between 50 and 70 feet wide. Um, so the proposal to then put the, the lots at something less than 50 would, is incompatible with the, what the single family traditional zoning or uh, land use map designation calls for. Um, so that's something that we're concerned about. Uh, in addition, the general plan includes the recommendations of the joint land use study in that we wouldn't encourage or you know, approve of uh, things that are incompatible with the recommendations of the joint land use study. So the this is a proposed subdivision of what uh, you know what each lot would look like uh, after subdivision. So you can see the forty six and a half feet wide by two hundred feet deep. So we, one thing we also did is. A lot pattern analysis of the uh, of that neighborhood within a thousand feet to see if the change to R nine you know is is in keeping with what we see in the neighborhood lot pattern. So what we found was that at a total of of a total of four hundred eighty two lots within a thousand foot radius of this property, that only fifty two or twelve percent were within or were in keeping with the what the proposal is. So that's lots that are less than fifty feet in width. Um, the remainder, the remaining 430 or 88% would be in character with what's the current zoning there, R8 or R7, you know, things that um, are at least 50 feet in width, lots that are at least 50 feet in width. So, um, that, so that's the, within 1,000 feet. And we also looked at the block face itself, and we found that a similar uh, discrepancy, that 19 of those lots are 89%. Uh, along the block face of East Lester Avenue are in keeping with the current zoning and the lot pattern of 50 feet or greater. And that only two lots uh, were, or 11% were, you know, in keeping with what the proposal, uh, so less than 50 feet in width. Um, so that, so lot pattern analysis shows really an overwhelming uh, position that the existing pattern uh, is what it is and it doesn't support, you know, increased density. Another important layer to this is that, um, you know, that analysis was based on the R8 requirements, but actually two-thirds of the existing lots along East Leicester Avenue are more in keeping with the R7 zoning requirements. 
So that's 60 feet in lot width, 6,000 square feet in lot area. So, you know, a majority of the lots are actually in keeping with a zoning district that's less intense than the current zoning on the lot. So that sort of told us, okay, the whole existing lot pattern is what it is telling us something about, you know, the neighborhood and, you know, what, what sort of development is taking place there. So an increase to R9 would be, you know, noticeably more intense than the, than the current lot pattern. And, you know, in that case, the R8 zoning upon the site doesn't represent, in our mind, an unreasonable uh, zoning designation, given that surrounding context. So, so really, the, those are three, um, three of the main reasons why staff rec is recommending denial of this application. Uh, again, the, uh, the recommendations of the joint land use study that the creation of four lots would you know, in effect, more than double the recommendations uh, of what should go single-family residential in an APZ2. The prevailing lot pattern in the neighborhood just does not support the application. And the general plan itself also, you know, is not consistent with what the uh, proposal calls for. And lastly, it really, staff would see this as spot zoning because you're It'd be putting an R9 zoning district in, in an area that has, is completely R8 um, and it's inconsistent with the general plan. So those two things together uh, would, would, would cause concern. Um, so we did receive, we received a letter of support from the Bayview Civic League um, who indicated that they wanted this, they, they saw the area of the site as a blighted area that needed to be redeveloped, um, but they thought that the depth of the lots more than made up for the width, the you know the four six and a half foot width, um, so that was what we got from the Civic League. Um, we also received a letter from the Naval Base, um, and I believe a representative for the Naval Base is here. He can speak uh, more clearly to the uh, to what's in the letter, um, but essentially that um, they would you know be against anything that would go against the recommendations of the Joint Land Use Study. Um, however, if, if there was something uh, conditioned to uh, basically prohibit development within an APZ2, the boundaries of an APT, APZ2 zone, that they could be okay with it. But again, uh, I'll let the representative speak to that more clearly. Um, and I just, and also just to add to that, the, uh, there aren't any proffers with this rezoning as, as, as our uh, policy has been practice has been with the change to state law, so we don't uh, we, we don't have any proffers to ensure to ensure any of that. So, so staff recommends denial of this application. Thank you, Chris. Any questions of Mr. Whitney, commissioners? Thanks, Chris. Stand by. Uh, here to speak in favor of this application is the applicant Jerome Miller. Jerome Miller, 1507 East Bayview Boulevard, Suite B, Norfolk, Virginia, 23503. Good afternoon. The staff has done their job like they always do, and there are a lot more educated people than I am. But there are some in there are some discrepancies to the way that they, I believe, they've analyzed the property. But the first point is, is we did not receive the letter from the Navy 
the response from the Navy until it was written yesterday and it was forwarded to me at 12.30 this afternoon. So I've been in meetings, uh, but I had planned on addressing, the Navy is very important to all of us and nobody wants to do anything that would upset the Navy uh, or it would be contrary to what the Navy's wishes are. But in the prior application for the property, I read that application and the Navy's letter unless I read it wrong, said that you got four houses on the property and as long as you're not going to build in the APZ2 and you're not going to build more than four houses that the Navy was okay with that. And, and that's why I proceeded with the estate and, and trying to correct what is a very blighted and bad situation that has been ongoing for too long. But um, if I had received the letter earlier, you know, I, I was prepared to write a letter, even though I know that this business of no proffers is kind of new to, still kind of new to everybody. But we have no problem, um, if you don't want to use the word proffer, we have no problem um, saying that the back 60 feet or 66 feet, two-thirds, which would be the southern 66 uh, feet of all of the parcel, um, we could record a deed restriction that says no permanent structures whatsoever in this zone. The reason why uh, I asked my surveyor to delineate what he thought was the APZ2 on my new survey when I reviewed the survey from the prior applicant because the prior applicant used the word approximate, approximate limits of the APZ2. I don't like the word approximate. I like, I like to know where the line is. So um, uh, he, he, my surveyor still hasn't delineated what he thinks is his interpretation of the APZ2, but the easier way to deal with it is instead of drawing an approximate line, I believe that a better way of dealing with it is to just go ahead and say, all right, we'll do a deed restriction for the back third of the property, approximately 66 feet of the 200 foot of depth. And that will be even, the Navy will actually have a larger buffer area than the APZ2 currently delineates right now. So I have no problem doing that. And, and if we had gotten the remarks back a little bit earlier, I would have been happy to have issued that letter prior to today's uh, hearing. Not a problem. Now, when the staff goes about doing their normal and customary uh, analysis of 1,000 feet within the subject property, um, and you have an area like, we call this area Kenilworth, but it's really a chopped up area that, that took place uh, over the last 100 years when it was the county before the city even annexed this property uh, 70 years ago approximately. So there is no platting pattern on this particular block. But if the, if the, if the city really went 1,000 feet, um, well, I guess that would be five, 500 and 500, they'd almost be over across Chesapeake Boulevard where there's about 800 to 900 apartments, you know? About one of the most densest uh, areas in the city of Norfolk. Um, from the old Ocean Air apartments all the way up to, uh, to Leicester. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of apartments. So um, 
but when I'm involved with a piece of property, I'm a little bit more focused than a thousand feet. And particularly when you have an area that's been chopped up over such a long period of time, I'm more concerned with what's going on on the block that I'm putting my money, I'm making my investment in. And so on this particular block, you have 24 parcels that front on Leicester from Chesapeake Boulevard easterly to where it dead ends. Um, on, of those 24 parcels, you have 11 duplexes, one six-family apartment building, and then you've got my subject property, which is considered a non-conforming four-family because you got four units on one parcel of property. So actually, 13 of the 24 parcels that are on this street are non-conforming. So, so staff can cite that it's not part of the general plan, it's not consistent, the whole daggone street, or 54% or of the street is inconsistent with the general plan. You've got more duplexes and, and renters than you have homeowners there. Now EDC has torn down the house next door to me and the, the one across the street, and they're building their product, so that's definitely an improvement. Um, but when we go back to the 24 lots that are currently platted, and staff said that there's, there's, uh, I thought that they said only a couple. I mean, I, I counted uh, four 50-foot frontages, um, a whole bunch of 38-foot, 53. You've even got all these flag lots, a 10-foot frontage, a 20-foot frontage, a 20-foot frontage. But when you add up all the units that occupy these 24 parcels, you come up with 43 units on 24 parcels for the density. And you can talk about platting patterns, but I think what's more important than a platting pattern is how the property is being utilized. And so you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of apartments, you've got a lot of non-owner occupants on, the, on this particular street, and that's probably why it looks as lousy as it looks. Um, but 54% of the platted lots are non-conforming structures or non-conforming in the way they're being used currently right now. So I've addressed, you know, I don't have a problem restricting or encumbering the property to satisfy the Navy um, that we will not be building anywhere. These lots being 200 foot deep, we have a 25 foot normal and customary setback. The houses are 45 feet in depth and then we got about a 10 foot patio. So you're really only talking about the 80 to 90 feet is where the where we're going to build. Now uh, that that leaves a lot of room in those big backyards that people can still enjoy without doing anything with permanent construction that would upset the Navy and would be consistent with the letter that the Navy issued last year for the prior applicant. Um, the other thing, too, is, is the 46-and-a-half-foot frontage that we are asking for in, in reference to the 50-foot requirement. We have uh, a really good selling plan that is 34-foot wide, and because we're so close to Chesapeake Bay, we, we had planned or we plan on trying to send that best-selling plan back to the architect to rework the uh, exterior facade to have a little bit more of a coastal type of a, of a design. We think that that would be 
appropriate for this location. We have no problem uh, getting the architect to get a little creative on that too. At 34 foot wide with 46 and a half foot wide widths, that still leaves 12 and a half feet. So you can have uh, six and a quarter and six and a quarter side yards. Even under the R8 50 foot uh, requirement of minimum width, you only have to have five and five. So the houses aren't going to be crowded anymore on this particular parcel when we're done developing it than they would have been if we had the full 200 foot and we built 40, 39 and a half foot. I got a plan that's 39 and a half foot. If we had built those four models right next to it, they would actually be more uh, crowded onto the property. So we'll have a little bit more room between the houses. Um, so the spot zoning thing, I think sometimes that's why the R9 district was created. Lenny could probably say, no, we didn't create it because of this. But at the same time, when you have lots, this is, this is and, and also of those 24 pieces of property on this block, there is nothing close to it as far as being 180 uh, and 188 foot, 186 foot wide. So you're not setting a precedent. There's nothing else like it, like this property here. But when we go back to the, the, the spot zoning uh, argument, the R9 district, when you have extremely deep lots that are different than the typical 25 by 100 foot plotting patterns that predominate the city of Norfolk, or the old R2A zoning, when you get into a situation where you have this, this kind of a, a piece of property, I believe that this is the perfect application for the R9 and perhaps lends itself to be used in this case where we have a lot of depth and we can go ahead and still do a nice job um, uh, putting uh, four houses on the property, not crowding them up, still giving the people huge backyards to enjoy, going ahead and encumbering the property uh, in the back third in order to make sure that we stay well away from uh, the APZ2. And a matter of fact, not only are we going to stay away from it, but those restrictions will run with the land forever. So that means all the subsequent owners, they have to abide by that. They'll never, it will be a no man's land as far as permanent structures and development goes. So it's forever wild back there. So I think that addresses that situation. So we've got a high density street. We've got a really regular pattern, planning pattern, but I think that we can overcome all of those things uh, and, and create something really nice, much nicer. The Civic League of Bayview, uh, we naturally go to every Civic League that we work in and, and ask them what they think about our plans, do they have any concerns, and we uh, will listen and create a dialogue uh, if necessary to address any of their concerns and in this particular regards they did not have any concerns they did not have any problems with with regard to what we said we were going to do and and I've been working with the Baby Civic League for 40 years and my office is located on Baby Boulevard and I am a member and supporter of the Baby Civic League and have been for forever I was born and raised on Baby Boulevard a long long time ago so we're sensitive to the neighborhood, but the neighborhood said they're fine with this. And I think that, you know, whenever you have the neighborhood saying they're fine with something, I think that speaks volumes. 
Thank you, Mr. Miller. Thank Any you. questions, commissioners, of Mr. Miller? Thank you, sir. Thank you all. Uh, here uh, to speak against this application, Steve Jones. I'm Steve Jones. I'm the Community Plans and Liaisons Officer for Naval Station Norfolk. Address 1530 Gilbert Street, Suite 200, Suite 2000, Norfolk, Virginia. Um, each of you should have received a packet, uh, a letter from the commanding officer in regards to this application. Staff has done a great job in the report. Uh, in that regards, I'll I'll spoil everything he says in regards to the APC in that regards. But in regards to it, the, the property is that 0.85 acres. It is a greater intensity than what would be allowed under the APZ uh, in the, under the ACUS. But under the joint land use study and then the 2030 plan, um, those became grandfathered in the existing uses. So that's understood. So the dividing the lot into four lots versus the, um, the three that is um, allowed by law um, or rights. Uh, is an intensification, so that would be against the ACUS in that regard. Uh, you, we are a good neighbor, one of a good neighbor in that regard for the city and the community at large in that regard. Um, no, one of the things we did note that in the Norfolk plan, the plan Norfolk 2030, it says no intensification. That would be an intensification, so that is the reason that we uh, were reckoning recognizing um, and standing in opposition to it in that regards. But we're only concerned about the areas that's in the APZ, Accident Potential Zone 2. Um, the applicant has made uh, statements here today in regards to building outside of that. We're only really in con concerned with safety and preventing those that, preventing those that don't need to be in harm's way from being in harm's way in that regards. And so that's where we, the Navy's position on that. I stand by for any questions that you might have. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Any questions, sir? Steve, commissioners? Yes, sir. I do have a question, just a point of clarity. Um, so, so you, the, the builder is proposing keeping his permanent structure outside of the uh, accident potential zone and if that's within our purview or the purview of the city to accept, you, you, are you saying that you oppose that or because the, the letter? No, the we're, letter it, it, it goes against the ACUS, but it's in keeping with the JLUS, which is an agreement between the city and the, and the, the Navy, so it would be acceptable. Okay. Does that answer your question? Somewhat. The, le the letter, I guess, states that, that you would have no comment to it, but... I, I think I hear you saying that you would oppose it. No. Uh, the ACUS document itself, it's not in keeping with that. But it, the, that would be in keeping it be grandfathered in. So it would be in that regard when it says no comment, that's in essence saying we would not object. Okay. Does that answer your question more clearly? Thank you, Mr. Houchins. Yeah, you got another I'm, question? No, I'm fine. Oh. Thank you. I'm not clear. Uh, looking at the the uh, map over there, am I correct to assume that the shaded area uh, represents the APZ two? That's correct, ma'am. So that it passes uh, through one corner of the proposed lot. 
Well, it's my understanding that be, the proposal is for four lots. Right. Right. And that a portion of each of the four lots would be in the accident potential zone. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, now, what you it it and you, you talked about it, it being grandfathered in. Did you specifically state what you're referring to? There's existing conditions that already exist before the joint land use was signed into agreement. Right. And what was in agreement with the city at that point in the Navy was there would be no intensification over what's existing now. Exactly. That's what's, no. So that's what I'm not referred to grandfathering in. What was existing was three residential lots. Okay. Or well, actually one here, but by right, I mean by rights, could do intensity, I guess, up to three. Um, so if the permanent structure is within the APZ, that contributes towards the intensification. But if the backyard is in the APZ, that does not contribute toward the intensification? We're concerned about people and presence. I know, but so, I, I grew up in a house where people were in the backyard and the, the yeah. house, so I'm trying to figure out if the, if what contributes towards located, intensification. If you put a pool within the APZ, too, and it was an assembly area, that would be a concern. But if it's, as the applicant said, it's going to be a naturalized area, undeveloped, that would not be an intensification. That would be no, from the, the property would be divided into four parcels. Right. But there would be a no additional personnel in that particular part because of the Because it's the backyard, not the permanent structure. Yeah. So, but, Steve, I'm sorry. Let's hear but, another question. What is grandfathered in is the fact that is three uh, uh, lot, lots, that that could be divided into three lots. That's what's grandfathered in. Well, that the fact that there are four houses on the property now, yeah, they're in bad shape, but that's an existing condition as far as they're concerned. Mm -hmm. But if you went back to the ACUS, it says one to two residential homes per acre. Which you would have to be in South Carolina to get that. <laughs> Pay no attention to that, Steve. Well, I didn't know where to go with it. <laughs> Any questions of uh, Mr. Jones? Any further questions? Steve, thank you. Thank you. Uh, comment, uh, questions? Any clarification, commissioners? Hearing none, Mr. Newcomb. I'm sorry, oh, sir. Please, sorry. wait a minute. I, I just uh, I jumped the gun. We need to be in a rebuttal period. Mr. Miller, you have any rebuttal at all? Not a rebuttal, but, but I will do everything that I can do to make sure. Come on forward. Come, come forward, uh, sir. Thank you. This development isn't as important to me to alienate the Navy for all the good things that they do for our area. I will work closely with Steve and, and the commander of the base, and I will uh, make them comfortable with in letter form provide copy to staff that we create a no-build zone that exceeds what the current APZ delineation appears to be on uh, the survey that I saw and I feel confident that they will actually pick up a greater buffer than they currently have right now so uh, I will make that promise to everyone that um, 
you know, if I can't make them happy, um, then we won't do it. Mr. Miller, let me ask you something on that. So are you saying that on these lots, a prospective buyer, uh, you will do some sort of covenant, delineate what they can and cannot do in their backyard? Well, when I made the initial application, Chris called me and said, hey, you know, the, the other applicant, the applicant from last year had put it on the plat, the proposed plat, but they were working under the pre-proffer time frame where we're, you know, and, and I, I don't know what I can, I can tell you guys or what I can't tell you. I mean, uh, it's a gray area. I think that everyone still would prefer to, I'd re really prefer to have proffers, to be honest with you. Then I can make representations. And if I tell you I'm going to do something, I still do business with a handshake out here. I don't have to have something in writing to make me do what I tell you I'm going to do. But the answer to your question is a deed restriction, I think, is better to than, than putting anything on a plat with the word approximate on it. I think that, you know, we just go ahead and enlarge the area. Um, it appears to me on scale that the westernmost portion of the APZ2 is approximately 50 feet, and as it crosses the property, it narrows down to approximately 20 feet. So what I'm saying is, let's just go ahead and, and give a little bit more area. Let's go ahead and take a, the back third of the 200 feet. That would be approximately 66 and 0.66. All right, that's 66 and two thirds. That would be the back third and say, okay, we're going to record a deed restriction that will affect any and all lots that we create. And it will be forever non-buildable, period. No permanent structures whatsoever. Um, I don't have a problem with that, and I, I think that I think that should kind of get, they actually gain a little bit more of a buffer in that particular regard. Thank you, sir. Thank you all. A any other questions of Mr. Miller before he steps down? Thank you, sir. Thank you all. Uh, Steve, anything you'd like to add? Is your time for rebuttal? Um, as the applicant says, I don't think the Navy would object to um, that proposal if there's a deed restriction in that regards if that's within your preview. Um, again, I don't know. That's your decision in that regards, but that would not be an objection to the Navy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any comment, question? Thank you, Steve. Mr. Newcomb. Um, Mr. Chairman, before before the vote, I just want to make sure there's been an awful lot of discussion about the APZ. Um, the reason that staff recommend denial has almost nothing to do with the APZ. It's the fact that the um, lot the lot sizes are smaller than our than Plan Norfolk 2030 um, would suggest for this area. And that on balance, it appears that R8 is the correct zoning category for this neighborhood. Um, and that's the reason that for which staff is recommending denial and has very little to do with the, the APZ. That, that sort of adds a little bit to it. But I didn't want there to be confusion that that was the reason for the staff recommendation. The staff recommendation is a lot more basic than, than 
um, the presence of the APZ across the back of the property. Thanks for that clarification, George. All right. Lenny. The uh, motion before you is to recommend that the change of zoning be approved. Mr. Hales. You know, the, uh, the, the state did, did not do us a favor last year when they outlawed proffers and residential uh, properties like this, uh, rezonings like this. Um, there, there are two issues. One, of course, is the APZ zone, um, which, in as much as we have a guarantee, we can't have a proffer. We cannot put it in writing. Um, and, and, Mr. Miller, I do believe that you, you're busy handshake and, and that. The, the other piece of it is, you know, I've been a fan over the years of sometimes allowing or, or voting for uh, rezoning to a smaller lot size in communities that need outside investment because the city can only do so much investment dollars in there. And certainly that would help a, a community that, that probably needs some outside uh, assistance in uh, building new structures, which hope will trigger other structures to get uh, built. However, without when we, when we did that, we always had proffers. We always looked at the quality of the building, look at the house, make sure that it's going to fit within the neighborhood, make sure it's not going to be some cheap rental property or something like that. And again, we don't have that guarantee and can have that guarantee. Um, so uh, in, in both areas, um, I just, the proffer thing just, just locks our hands up right now to say, you know, unfortunately for me, the answer is, is, is no. Um, for both reasons, number one, we can't guarantee it's not given the APZ zone. And then number two, uh, to keep within the R8 uh, uh, lot size that exists there today. So I, I do apologize, but that's my my vote. Ms. Austin? Um, I agree with Mr. Hales. Uh, I am impressed with what you uh, presented and what you were willing to do. However, I do think that the uh, basic uh, recommendation of staff really does have to do about uh, Plan 2030 and the uh, lot size. And so I'm going to also vote no. Mr. Houchins? Chair, I do have one question before I catch my vote, um, and I would like to ask Adam, is there anything that we can request of the applicant that would not be in conflict with what we seem to understand as proper issues? Um, there isn't anything legally binding that you can request. Um, as Mr. Miller indicated, um, there is um, available to the owner the opportunity to um, record restrictions in the public land records. Um, it, it just so happens, I know uh, Mr. Miller has a long history with Norfolk, it just so happens that before the um, adoption of the proffer scheme, that was sort of the old way of doing things, is that um, the, the, D, the um, land records would record whatever the restriction was um, because that was the mechanism by which the agreement became legally binding. So that is available. Um, you can ask for it, um, but we, you could not hold the applicant to um, his word legally, um, or he could just do it voluntarily. Um, but other than um, the agreement and the understanding um, that this is an applicant who um, has, appeared you, uh, has appeared before you before and will likely appear before you again, um, there isn't a, a, a legal mechanism to enforce uh, an agreement. Thank you. Um, I, I agree that it is unfortunate that we uh, are no longer in a position to, to ask for proffers. Um, you know, I, I came here on the commission. I was just around long enough to appreciate it, and then it was gone. Um, but with that said, uh, you know, I'll 
echo the words of uh, my counsel here is that you've been before us before and you will be before us again. So I'm going to take a chance and, and, and take you on your word. Uh, and with that, I vote aye. Mr. Murphy. No. Dr. Newman. I'm going to agree with uh, a couple of my other commissioners on a number of things with, with Mr. Hales and uh, with uh, Mr. Houches down there. But uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit that you are going to be back in front of us and that you are going to do a, a decent job uh, on that property, and uh, I'm going to vote aye. Mr. Fraley. No, I will make that recommendation to council. Thank you. All right. The next item before us is number four, New England Antiques and Collectibles, for a special exception operated used merchandise establishment at 3118 East Princess Anne Road. Uh, no opposition, Lenny. All right. The motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halgens? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We make that recommendation to Council of the Law. All right. Next item is number five, Universal Wireless, for a special exception for a commercial communication tower at 7511 Avenue J. And here to speak, or does not wish to speak, we do want to acknowledge for the record uh, against this application, Ryan Chapman. Oh, I do want to speak. You do want to speak. Yes, Come forward, sir. Yes. Uh, my name is Ryan Chapman. I live at 1004 Warnoka Avenue in Norfolk, Virginia. And I came to speak against building this tower because uh, there's been very few studies uh, conducted on electromagnetic radiation and its effects to uh, people. And they want to build this tower right across the uh, street from an elementary school, Oakwood Elementary School. And uh, some researchers had conducted a study, and they uh, studied kids who had cancer and who didn't have cancer. And they found that uh, some of the ones that had cancer had exposure to RF radiation. And uh, in Maine, they have a town called Bar Harbor, and they have a city council has a rule that says uh, radio towers must be 1,500 feet back from uh, uh, schools and daycares. Excuse me, are you aware the school is closed? No. And it's been sold? Yeah. No. It will not be a school? All right. Yeah, it's I gonna was going to make that point to you as well, sir. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that's all I have. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lenny. I was going to let him finish and tell him the same thing, but you may have saved us a lot of time. Uh, any questions or comment, commissioners? I'll just make a comment that I'm actually interested in what you in what you bring up, and uh, and you know really kind of piqued my interest in making sure that we do have all the safeguards in place for a technology that we may not know all the health benefits of. So I do appreciate you coming down. You certainly got my attention um, on things, and um, I think we'll raise those points uh, down the road. So trip was not uh, without merit today. All right. The uh, motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved. Excuse me. Subject to the conditions contained in the staff report, Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Halchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Dr. Newman. Aye. Mr. Fraley. Aye. 
We'll make that recommendation. Council, good luck. Item six, Lee. Item six, artisan body piercing and tattoo for a special exception to operate a tattoo parlor slash school at 7734 Hampton Boulevard, Suite B. Chris, it looks like you're going to be the star for today. Huh? <laughs> it looks like looks that way. Good afternoon again. Um, this is an application from Artisan Body Piercing and Tattoo for a special exception for a tattoo parlor uh, slash school at 7734 Hampton Boulevard. Um, it's a currently developed with a shopping center, commercial property, um, and uh, this would go in, the, the proposed uh, tattoo parlor would go into a suite most recently occupied by a barbershop. The uh, property itself is zone C2, corridor commercial, which allows the tattoo parlors by special exception, uh, which is before you today. Hours of operation for the proposed establishment is 10 a.m. to uh, 10 p.m. Monday through Saturday, and then 1 p.m. until 6 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, you just have a few photos of the shopping center uh, to, to browse through. Um, so as part of the uh, conditions of the special exception, staff is proposing the installation of landscape planters in this in the area on the screen in front of you. Um, this would help spruce up the the entrance to the to the tenant spaces um, and it would all be done in conjunction with our uh, landscape architect with parks uh, recreation parks and open space um, as far as the species and then the placement of the planters so that that's part of the conditions of approval um, in addition um, due to the uh, the st staff received a few letters one of which was from the uh, joint letter from the Meadowbrook and Lock Haven Civic Leagues expressing uh, a lot of uh, concern with some of which was was directed at the use but most of it was directed at the condition of the shopping center um, so they they wanted to see uh, a plethora of improvements to the shopping center so in response to that staff did want to try to address that as best we could um, so that includes as part of the conditions of approval um, to to not, to not only uh, require the, the planters, um, which would happen before a business license, but also within three months of approval, of final approval of the ordinance, that the shopping center would, would be improved with, uh, with a number of things proposed by the property owner, uh, including pressure washing of the building, exterior painting, uh, upgrading some of the signage, uh, maintenance, uh, and, and some repairs to the roof. Um, and uh, some of the stormwater issues, uh, and also uh, some of the columns in front of the tenant spaces, as well as the uh, the Civic League had mentioned uh, some concerns with the large lights on top of the Dollar Tree part of the shopping center. So, an effort to try to to try to uh, bring all parties to the table and try to um, start mitigate some of these concerns. Uh, staff is proposing to have all these things done to the shopping center building within three months of adoption of the ordinance. Um, and so staff does recommend approval of this application with the conditions as proposed, including the ones I just mentioned. Uh, staff sees tattoo parlors as just like any other retail service in the city, uh, much like the barbershop that it's replacing or proposing to be replaced with. Um, and so staff sees the use as appropriate at this location and with the conditions attached to it 
provides additional opportunities to improve the site. Um, it's our understanding that the uh, there's a drive a couple of driveways in front of the property on Hampton. The uh, Public Works Department is working with Hamp the Hampton Road Sanitation District and the property owner to to try to get those taken care of and closed um, at a later time. So that will occur separate from this special exception process. Um, so with that, staff recommends approval of this application with the conditions as proposed, and we'll stand by for any questions. Thank you, Chris. Any questions of Mr. Whitney, commissioners? Yeah. Uh, one, one quick one. When you say planters, are we talking about in the ground, digging up concrete, or are we talking above the ground planters? Um, above the ground, so uh, you know, heavy enough to, to, be, to not be moved very easily. But, but yeah, we didn't want to, there's some kind of um, utility here, um, I believe it is some sort of water vaults or water valves here. So we were concerned with, you know, digging up that concrete to, to put landscaping. So we thought a good compromise would be uh, some planters as approved by the. You, you, know, you know, my fear of planters are we had them over in Little Creek Road. Susan probably remembers there were nice plywood boxes that stayed out there for like three years, you know, so above the ground, is there any protection on what these planters are and what they're going to look like and what they're going to be or? Um, so we we will uh, leave the sort of the installation of them and, and the placement of them to the expertise of the landscape architect. We thought that was most appropriate um, so that they can not only approve the species of the plants, but also uh, the placement of them. You know, we also don't want it to restrict pedestrian access to the suites. Um, so, you know, we wanted to give uh, some flexibility there, but also ensure that whatever is being placed there is, is being looked at by, you know, the experts in our mind, which are the Parks and Recreation Parks and Open Space Department. Chris, I got a question for you or for Adam. Um, we've talked about the property owner making improvements, but the property owner isn't the applicant. How do we ensure that that the property owner is held to doing these in improvements? We, in we the don't center? issue business licenses until the conditions are complied with. We don't determine who makes the improvements. What we say is they have to be done. Okay. Okay. Yeah, typically it's just a timeline presented in the conditions, but. So if, it, if they're not settled, then you won't get a business license, essentially. Okay. Chris, did you get any feedback, direct or indirect, from the surrounding civic leagues? Um, yeah, so the we received a joint letter early on from the Meadowbrook and Lock Haven Civic Leagues. Um, which was, in essence, um, more, more of a comment on the shopping center property itself and, and just the numerous issues that they saw with that. Um, so that, that's what we got. Some, some of it was related to the use, but most of it seemed to be stemming from the property condition and, and in the building condition. So uh, we also received a letters and emails um, from other uh, citizens in the, in the surrounding area. Um, we, we received one, at least one, um, that countered the position of the Civic League um, in that it, it may not represent all the views of, of that area. So, you know, we received a lot of feedback, and I think, it, you know, if, if anyone's here to speak to those a little better, I think that would be most appropriate. Okay, thanks, Chris. Any other questions of Mr. Whitney, commissioners? Thank you. Yep. The chair wants to acknowledge the following people who are here in favor of this application, but have chosen not to speak. Joseph Schimmel. 
Tony Alvarez, Rihanna Van Hamel, Ashley Hall, and Megan Reddy. Thank you all for coming and supporting this application. We appreciate your attendance. Here to speak in favor of this application is Katie Schimmel. Hello. My name is Katie Schimmel. I'm at 714 Wingfield Avenue, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23325. Um, we are aware of the disrepair that the shopping center is in, and we have been speaking with the property manager very, very closely, and she has agreed to do quite a few things, actually, to kind of better the whole process for this. Um, the business that I already have right now for Artisan Body Piercing is over on Military Highway. <clears throat> we just won the 2017 Gold Best of Competition for Best Place to Get Tattooed, and we have great ratings throughout the entire city. So I really, really want this. And I really appreciate you guys for, appreciate you for taking the time to look into it. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to come down and talk to us about it. Thank you very Thank much. You. Mm -hmm. uh, also here in favor of this application, Tony McLeod. I hope I said your name right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's Tony McLeod. McLeod, um, okay. I am agent for the owner, J Legacy LLC. I work for Pembroke Commercial Realty at 4460 Corporation Lane, Suite 300, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23462. Um, I'm here to address some of the issues that were raised by the uh, Civic Leagues. The building is sound. It is not in disrepair. Um, we already had budgeted for this year, and the budget was prepared uh, the end of November, the beginning of December 2016. So none of this work was planned after the complaints. Um, we were, were going to paint the building. We got a pressure wash, do some touch-up painting. Um, we just had to repair where um, a truck hit the side of the building, um, a delivery truck for Dollar Tree. <clears throat> and. Um, we were going to paint it. We were just going to paint it the existing colors, but now we've changed it. We're going to do the Dollar Tree colors, the tan and the taupe around the whole building. Um, the parking lot last year, we spent $155,000 on, I mean, I'm sorry, $58,000 on um, parking lot repairs. And um, the, most of the pictures that you, that you were seeing of the sidewalk in front, that's city property. We still have a couple of open tickets. Well, they've closed them and we've tried to reopen them for repairs that need to be made. Swink Street is, we've had that since uh, June of 2016. We've had an open work order for that. Um, I am also currently the property manager for um, Artisan Body Piercing's current location. No complaints, no problems. Um, the space is clean. She actually helps us pick up cigarette butts and whatnot from um, outside because there is a, like an adult daycare behind which is getting ready to close um, and we've had no violations from the city for Hampton Boulevard Plaza. The light fixtures that are on top of the building that were a complaint, they were blinding people, shining in people's houses, those lights have been there since like <coughs> November 2005 or I mean, I mean 2000, I mean 1985. They've been there for over 30 years. Okay. Um, 
the planters, I actually brought a picture that the landlord approved their concrete and they're very heavy. So they, and um, Christine, Nick, is it Christine Nichols? Christine Fisher, she's already approved um, these and we are most likely gonna put two out in the courtyard somewhere there. But we can't, we can't dig in there, there's too much. There's electrical, uh, plumbing and sewer lines going through there. Yeah, you can see where the water and sewer is marked. to the secretary was just passing along since there was a question. Thank you. Superior marble. Um, some of the the conditions on here that under C that they gave back to us. We were, like I said, we were planning to pressure wash um, the sidewalks in the building and do some minor repair. Um, scrape some loose paint, caulk some cracks, and we're going to paint the entire building. And that was already, like I said, budgeted and planned. And let's see, the columns are a cinder block. There's nothing wrong with them. There's no chips, cracks, or anything. So we're just going to paint those the same color as the Dollar Tree colors. And then the wording on the roof, there are no damages to that roof. That roof does not leak at all. There are a few abandoned penetrations up there from when it was a Below grocery store, but we've been hesitant to take them off because if we do, we're gonna open up, you know, so we just haven't done it. But there are some flashing issues um, with the gutters, so we, we were gonna definitely fix that this year. Yeah, let's see. That's all. That's all I really have. Well, thank you, Ms. McLeod. Yeah. Any questions of Ms. McLeod? Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, also here to speak in favor of this application, William Wharton. Uh, I, did, I didn't want to speak. It should have been me. Uh... Okay. No problem. We thank you. No problem. Uh, Mr. Newcomb, there, it, there is no uh, opposition to this application. All right. The motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Um, Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Well, I certainly know there has been some discussion, some letters from the Civic League. I wish they were here to ask a few questions I, I wonder uh, if that recommendation or that letter represents the full view of the Civic League or not um, and I also will say that you know from my personal standpoint this these businesses tattoo parlors uh, the hours of operation are very reasonable in uh, in a community setting um, there are far less uh, complaints at, at these facilities than there are at bars and restaurants or entertainment facilities so to coming into the neighborhood there, like they sit in many other neighborhoods next to West Kent and Chelsea and along 21st Street. Um, I, I don't see why, where this business would be treated any differently, would bring any uh, undue hardships uh, into the neighborhood. There are already businesses established in this shopping center that aren't going anywhere. The, uh, not allowing you to go in is not going to put any additional pressure um, on the on the owner of the building to do anything different than what they've already offered and continue to do. So, you know, I've, I've felt confident with you all going in there. I appreciate your track record. I appreciate you bringing another business to the city. I'll vote aye. Mr. Fraley. 
Uh, I, uh, before I vote, I do want to acknowledge that uh, we have received letters against this from Edward Walcott and another letter in favor from uh, residents of um, the uh, Meadowbrook Civic League area, uh, one for and one against them. Uh, but I, I echo Dr. Newman's position. I, I think uh, this is an increasing trend that tattoo parlors are becoming popular once again. Uh, the old adage, what goes around comes around. Back in the 40s and the 50s, there were tattoo parties every, parlors everywhere in our city, and folks took exception to it because of a lot of the untoward activity that evolved from some of those locations. We're not seeing that today. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the type of ownership that we see in these locations. Uh, certainly, we would want to continue to monitor the uh, continuing uh, evolution of tattoo parlors in our city, but at this point, uh, I see no reason why I shouldn't vote uh, in favor of this application. I vote aye. All right. And we'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck with it. Application number seven, Captain's Galley, for a special exception to operate an eating and drinking establishment at 8166 Shore Drive, Suite C. Thanks, Lenny. And uh, here to speak in favor of this application, Kathy Cunningham. Yes, I'm Kathy Cunningham, 8166 Shore Drive, A204, Norfolk, Virginia, 23518. I've been the owner of Captain's Galley for seven years when it opened business in 2010. Um, I'd like to thank the staff for the recommendation. Uh, however, I would like to address one of the conditions. They've indicated that there will be no smoking outside on the deck. Uh, in the seven years that I've been in business, I allow my customers to smoke outside on the deck. Putting up signs and, f and forbidding them from doing that will only take business away from me. I'd like approval to eliminate that condition. And you'd like us to do that right now, wouldn't you? Well. But we don't typically do that. So, whoever did it, take, take it off, please. <laughs> well, I can certainly speak to this. I've, you know, as a physician, certainly I, I've handled these requests in the past. And, you know, and I'll kind of offer the counter argument that, you know, certainly we know the health risks of smoking. We hope you have some patrons that, that uh, may not smoke, may want to mm -hmm. choose there to come otherwise. Uh, and it's certainly a growing trend. It's certainly the, the science behind it is very clear. And, you know, representing the citizens um, across this entire city, you know, I still feel very strongly knowing very well the health risks of, of smoking, that in an area that other people should have a equal access to or have to pass through, mm -hmm. that it's just not a, uh, it's just not a good practice to, uh, for our city to continue to allow that. So I think that we've put a lot of thought into our smoking regulations here. I'd like to see them even get tighter. Um, you know, so I feel strongly, uh, personally, that we'll keep that yeah, in place. I, I think uh, I was leading to echo in those very comments, uh, Ms. Cunningham. This is a, a circumstance whereby, unfortunately, there are situations that present health hazards. And for us to set an environment that uh, undermines the potential of uh, maintaining those positive health traits, not in keeping with the spirit of what we want to try to bring forward as a city, but uh, notwithstanding that, I, I think that uh, going forward, if you'd like to address that sometime in the future, we'll consider that. But I think the slant of this commission at this point is one in which we would uh, want you to abide by the guidelines that we had established in accordance with the recommendation with your application. 
Any other question or comment? There is no opposition to your application, despite what Dr. Newman and I have said. <laughs> no opposition. No. Lenny? The motions recommend that the special exception be approved, subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Uh, Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchin? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. All right, item number eight, Handsome Biscuit, for a special exception to operate an eating and drinking establishment at 4208 Monarch Way, Suite 4200. And Lenny, there is no opposition to this application. Robin Thomas is here to answer any questions, however. All right. Good to the, see you, Robin. The motion before you is to recommend that the uh, special exception be approved, subject to conditions. Contained in the staff report, Dr. I mean, sorry, Mr. Hales. He's got a promotion. <laughs> Do I get to pay with that? Aye. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Alchin. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Dr. Newman. Aye. Mr. Fraley. Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. I am hopeful now, before we leave that, by having a second, uh, if we have a second handsome biscuit, I'll be able to get in the first one without having to stand outdoors. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next item number nine streets for a special exception operating eating and drinking establishment at 915 West 21st Street A. Um, this is to allow the existing restaurant to uh, add outdoor dining. Thanks, Lenny. There's no opposition to this application here. To answer questions, uh, the applicant, Neil Bowden, Neil Bowden Streets, and of course, the aforementioned Robert Tom, Robin Thomas. The uh, motion before you is to recommend this special exception be approved, subject conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. All right. Good luck with that. We'll make that recommendation to council. Thank you. Um, Stripers, Waterside, for a special exception to operate an eating and drinking establishment at 333 Waterside Drive, Suite 105. Um, as we've informed you before, this is a, um, an entity operating in Waterside that is uh, independent of the actual operator. And we expect to see a few more of these as they begin to fill out the empty spaces. Thank you, Lenny. Um, there is no opposition to this application here. In favor is the applicant, Timothy Lynch. All right. Do you want to share anything with us, Mr. Lynch? Um, not Thank you. I think you're good, too. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, motion is to uh, recommend that the special exception be approved. Subject conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. Good luck with that. All right. We are going to do number 11, the Dirty Buffalo, for the following special exception at 4213 East Little Creek Road, eating and drinking establishment, sale of alcoholic beverages for off-premise consumption. All right, so I'll, I'll just do a quick presentation. Um, so this will be the second location for the Dirty Buffalo within the city, and they're proposing to operate 
uh, within the East Beach Marketplace uh, Shopping Center, within the um, previous Ruby Tuesdays uh, out parcel, and the op the request is for an eating and drinking establishment, and then for the um, request for ABC off premise, which would be for growler sales. And the site is located in a C3 um, retail center shopping um, retail center district zoning district. And here are the comparison of the different uh, operational hours and um, seating capacity between the previous Ruby Tuesdays and the Dirty Buffalo. And we do have a um, letter of unanimous support from the East Ocean View specifically for the request as proposed. And then we have a letter of conditional support from the Camellia Shores um, Civic League, which is the Civic League behind the shopping center. Um, and their conditions that they state in their letter, which is included in your packet, uh, request for them to um, scale back the hours to the similar to Ruby Tuesdays, 11 p.m. during the week, and then um, midnight on Friday and Saturday night. And then um, they would also like for them to withdraw their application for the ABC off-premise, which is an ordinance um, in front of you that's specifically catered for um, the growler fills that they've requested and what they've operated at their other facility. So um, staff is actually recommending support of the proposal um, as proposed by the applicant. And if you have any questions, I'll stand by. Thank you, Matt. Any questions of Mr. Simons, commissioners? Thank you, Matt. Uh, there is no opposition to this application. Uh, Stephanie Gilbert is here to answer any questions. Thank you, Ms. Gilbert. Any? The motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved, subject conditions contained in the staff report and special exceptions, plural. So, Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Houchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Dr. Newman. Aye. Mr. Fraley. Aye. Good luck Aye. with that. We'll make that recommendation to council. All right. Origin Wine Social for a special exception to operate an establishment for the sale of alcoholic beverages for off-premises consumption at 251 West Butte Street. Thanks, Lenny. Here to speak in favor of this application is Matthew Ambrosio. Excuse me, sir. I did my best. Thank you. <laughs> Matthew Amborski um, will be operating out of 251 West Butte Street, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Um, just a couple points I wanted to make to the committee uh, regarding some things in the packet that raised a concern over uh, parking, being that there's no designated parking. It will be a retail shop, so short visits, that kind of thing. You know, once a month, twice a month, I want to host a, a wine lecture where I'll be teaching for a couple hours. At that point, or if there's an issue with on the street, I'm a caddy corner from the Freemason garage straight across the corner from me and I plan on building a good clientele of uh, regular business and something I'll do for anybody who comes in with a parking tag they'll all know this you get that you know dollar thirty or whatever it is discounted off your purchase to offset and offer parking um, and then there was another concern about the um, blocking of traffic and I know you know wine comes on delivery trucks and things like that uh, I am one storefront from the corner where there's a 50-foot stretch of loading zone so they won't have to double park on the street to do that and that's a pretty readily accessible loading zone um, beyond that i'm here for uh, any questions and thank you love to be part of that community there 
Thank you. Any question? Uh, I think you're referring to the Butte Street Garage. The uh, Mason yes, Garage is two blocks Clarence away. West. So. Yes, the Butte Garage. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yes. I'm going to contribute when I can. <laughs> Butte Street Garage, exactly. Any other questions? Thank you, sir. Sir. Uh, the chair also wants to acknowledge it here in favor of this application. Eva Fuse? Did I say that right? Thank you. <laughs> Lenny. Motions to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales. Thank you for making an investment in our city. I vote aye. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Houchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Dr. Newman. Aye. Mr. Fraley. Aye. Good luck with that. We make that recommendation to City Council. All right. Number 13 is Origami Asian Bistro for a special exception to operate an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages at 5957 East Virginia Beach Boulevard, Suite 18. This is an application to allow the applicant to modify the floor plan and change the managers. Hi, this is an application by uh, Origami Asian Bistro, uh, located at 5957 East Virginia Beach Boulevard. Um, it is uh, the corner suite there. Uh, it is an existing establishment. Uh, it is on, as I mentioned, East Virginia Beach Boulevard between uh, Poplar Hill and Glen Rock. Um, it is uh, an existing uh, entertainment establishment. Um, in a C3 district, as we know, anyone wanting to serve alcohol or have entertainment in a C3 is required to have a special exception. Um, they do have a special exception. They actually uh, attained their original special exception in September of 2014. Um, they did revise the floor plan and they increased the uh, area of the establishment, so they increased the capacity in 2015. They were back uh, again before you. Um, since that time, um, we ha had received uh, multiple complaints about the establishment. Um, complaints to the uh, effect that they were uh, in violation of their special exception. Uh, a group of staff, uh, including uh, planning, uh, city attorney's office, the fire marshal, ABC, and the police, uh, met with them over the course of uh, uh, probably a couple months, um, trying to explain to them what the issues were uh, and what they needed to do to address our concerns. Um, taking that into account, they did change the management, uh, and they have submitted this application, which uh, fixes some of the other shortcomings, um, one of them being that uh, we now have a complete and accurate set of uh, managers, um, and the current manager has operated in Norfolk before, and I, I think uh, hopefully we'll find success uh, with him. Uh, and we do now have a floor plan that accurately reflects um, what the applicant is proposing. One of the things on the floor plan that we do say is that the, f the dance floor shall be of a different um, material. The floor plan that they have in the establishment is, it's not of a different material, but it is clearly demarcated, and that's our concern, that we know where the dance floor is. It's a different color, so it's very clear where the dance floor is. Um, one of the issues we were having before is that, as you know, we don't allow promoters. Uh, promoter, basically what they do is they hand the keys over to a third party, and that third party runs the establishment. They don't really care that there's a special exception. It can be revoked. They're there. They operate. They leave and they sometimes can leave uh, some difficulty behind. We work with them very closely to understand or to explain to them that that is not permitted here. Um, so with this new special exception, 
um, this should uh, resolve the issues and, and I think we are confident in our work with them over the couple of months that they have a much better understanding of what is acceptable. Um, but just in case, we did put in the conditions um, that this special exception will expire in 18 months. What that does is that gives them a year to operate, we can monitor to them, and then they have to reapply. Um, and if we're still having issues, uh, that gives you the opportunity to decide whether they deserve the special exception or not. So with the changes and with the hope that we've got a, an applicant and managers that will abide by the special exception with the conditions we have in place, staff is recommending that the application be approved. Thank you, Susan. Any questions of Ms. Hart? Okay. Thank you, Susan. Um, Chair wants to acknowledge Mr. John Childers. Hey, I'm sorry. Oh, you tricked me. I'm sorry. I was getting ahead of you. <laughs> then there is no opposition to this application. All right. Motion before you is to recommend the special exception be approved. Subject conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Alchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Uh, I'm going to vote in favor of this, but I'm delighted the staff got the applicant to agree to the 18-month sunset um, post that we had gotten that there's been a lot of calls for service at that location. Not saying they're all attributable to Ogami, but nonetheless, you can surmise that some of them had to have been. Um, but hopefully the, the sunset clause will give us a direct uh, opportunity to assess performance over a period of a year or more and, and make a judgment from that point as to whether or not we want this special exception to continue. So I applaud staff for that, and I hope that the uh, applicants here will abide by what they've agreed to abide by. With that, I vote yes. Rest assured, we are watching this now. Yes. Next application, MJ's Tavern for a special exception to operate an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages at 4019 Granby Street. This is an application for the expansion of an existing entertainment establishment. Um, All right. So um, this application is for a request for an existing entertainment establishment um, proposing to expand into the rear outbuilding that's currently vacant, um, which requires a, a new special exception to come before you. And the site is located on the west side of Granby Street in the Riverview area. And the area is developed mainly with commercial activity, some residential nearby. And here are the hours um, and, the, and the, um, the seating you see has obviously expanded some, uh, the capacity expanded some because of the expansion. But the hours are the same and the entertainment options are the same. Um, and the the building is located in a flood zone uh, we've been talking with the applicant and met with its architect and they will have to they understand that they know they will have to flood proof the building um, to meet all of fema's requirements and then again the city's additional floodplain requirements and um, also i'll just point out that the rear um, area of the site is is going to be um, installing a landscape a proper landscape buffer around the parking and uh, the new landscape buffer yard will be located in the site that is also the lowest ground elevation. So it should also help with uh, stormwater runoff as it naturally drains uh, by increasing the perviousness on that portion of the site where the sheet flow is expected to, to drain to and also in increasing some of the tree canopy cover. So with that, I'll stand by for any questions. Matt, quick, what, uh, how is the flood proofing? What is it going to end up looking like? 
Um, is it going to be raised or it, wrapped? Or? Well, not raised. It'll, more than likely, you won't be able to see it because it'll probably be installed on the inside. Usually uh, with flood proofing, there you, you install basically a type of like resin uh, material that attaches to the inside of the um, of the concrete blocks, the CMU blocks, and then you could put a, a some sort of finish over on the other side of that, so you still wouldn't necessarily see it. Um, and then at the entrances, the openings, you would install a, a floodgate that you can remove, obviously when there's not a storm. But then when you have a incoming storm, you would install the floodgates. And um, the good thing about this type of flooding, because it's mainly um, storm surge related, we don't really expect to have water come up and stay up. It's more going to fluctuate with the tide and the storm surge and the storm passes. So um, it's not the same as like a uh, flooding that comes up and stays. And, yeah. Thank you, Matt. Any questions of Mr. Simon? Thank you, Matthew. All right. Uh, now, Mr. John Childers. Mm -hmm. Any questions? Uh, thank you, sir. There is no opposition to this application. Any questions at all? Lenny? Motion to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Alchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley. Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. All right. Next application is started five and a half years ago, and this is our third expansion, so we're happy. Keep it up. Must have good food. Come by. I'll, I'll, just I'll. as good as the biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> no, number 15 is the American Legion for a special exception operating entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages at 923 Glen Rock Road. Thanks, Lenny. The chair acknowledges no opposition to this application. Uh, here to answer questions in support of it, Al Stewart and Rodney Drummond. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming. No opposition, Mr. Newcomb. The uh, motion to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Alchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Dr. Newman. Aye. And Mr. Fraley. Aye. Good luck with that, gentlemen. We'll make that recommendation to council. All right. New business. New business. We have a request to initiate a zoning text amendment, uh, Table 9A of the city zoning ordinance, to include microbrewery as an allowable use by special exception in the HCG3 Kent Historic and Cultural Conservation District. Okay, um, so the HCG3 um, was created uh, in 1998. Again, we've got three historic districts, um, HCG1, G2, G3. HCG1 and G2 uh, really uh, focus on um, uh, residential. HCG3 was created uh, for a couple of purposes, to recognize that there is actually uh, commercial in the HCG1 and G2, um, but also to uh, allow for the adaptive reuse of uh, historic structures. Um, um, in the HCG3 uh, district, uh, as it currently exists, um, these are the uses that are permitted, uh, multifamily, single family, townhouse, two family, uh, antique store, bed and breakfast by special exception, uh, retail goods and service, ABC off-premise, again, by conditional use permit, special exception, um, art studio, and church. What this amendment seeks to do is to allow um, 
microbrewery by special exception. Microbrewery is a fairly new concept. When we uh, created the HCG3 uh, in uh, 1998, really didn't have microbrewery. Um, so the request is to allow a microbrewery as a use in the HCG3 by special exception. Um, again, not right now pertaining to any particular site, but just to allow it in that commercial of the historic districts. Again, so today your vote would just be to allow us to move forward with that amendment uh, for your next month's agenda. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Susan, let me ask you just a generic question. I, I know you stated specifically microbreweries, but we're seeing microdistilleries and, and these types of things coming along now. Would that be something we would want to consider with this text amendment? Um, that was not the request that we got, but if that's something you all would, would want to... Would you like to throw gas onto a fire? <laughs> <laughs> Just a question. Thank you. I mean, it's a good question. I, I, do we want to come back, or is that a use that... You know, uh, again, was... and, and, and we keep saying we're rewriting the zoning ordinance, and maybe we do want to look at maybe some additional uses in the HCG3 um, to allow, again, the, the adaptive reuse of many of the existing uh, buildings that we have in our historic district. Um, but I perhaps now we, we should stick to what we got as the request. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. That's the request. Um, but as I said earlier, we've got a lot of very older buildings in our city that sit under unutilized um, for extended periods of time. And a lot of the character of the city goes with it. Uh, and I'm not suggesting by any means that we should put a microbrewery in every one of these abandoned churches, uh, but certainly we should uh, allow for the opportunity to, to at least expand and explore options that would allow us to use these buildings so that they don't become eyesores on the city. Mm -hmm. uh, and we take advantage of trying to save them and salvage them as best we can. Uh, that's a part of our ongoing character. Um, but I understand the limitations of the amendment we have, and uh, I respect that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Robin, would you like to say something? Uh, Robin Thomas, 913 West 21st Street, Suite C, Norfolk, Virginia, 23517. Uh, thanks very much for putting this on the agenda today. Um, this has been, uh, we've needed this in order to have a chance of, um, of getting um, the special exception that Craig Riley is looking for for the, at 739 uh, Yarmouth, for the a microbrewery in the uh, Unitarian Church. So um, without you actually sort of at least moving this, this initiative on to the next you know, hearing, we would not be able to proceed. So I'm, Craig wasn't able to come today, but I'm here to say hopefully thank you for at least moving this on. We've, we've met with uh, the local residents on Yarmouth and we've met with the Civic League and we're scheduled to go back to the Civic League for the Development Committee as well as the next general membership meeting. And there's some challenges, and Craig is working through those challenges, working on getting his parking letters and other support letters. So, but without this little piece here, um, you know, at least moving, uh, and we'll see what happens, you know, next month. If it's all going to hell, then you can say, no, we don't want to do this right now. <laughs> but I think that without this piece, at least even being on the docket, then, um, then we can't make progress next month, so. 
So just looking for support for that for today. Well, I'm sure any application that you associated with, Rahman, is going to be uh, <laughs> yeah. helpful I to know. that application. This is a, anyway, uh, I think he's a, you know, he's a good guy. He's actually going to be the, um, you know, he's looking to be the owner of the building. He's found this good tenant that wants to come to Norfolk. And uh, it's a challenge to you know, look at what, if it's not this tenant, what other tenant would it be in the building apart from maybe another church? So um, if anybody's also got any other ideas or know of somebody who, um, apart from the microbrewery, thinks that they uh, would like to have their business in a church, that would also be, be good to pass on to Craig. But uh, right now we're kind of going full force on this, uh, yeah. this good applicant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Robin. Any questions of Robin, uh, commissioners? You, Robin, the only comment I have, I asked this question downstairs as you make your community tour. Good luck. <laughs> you see band-aids all over you in about a month. We'll but I asked the question downstairs, you know, microbreweries, you know, it will have to go through a public hearing. Yep. Before any, you know, so it's important for the, for the community to know that, that just because this text amendment, go, if it does go through, doesn't mean it's by right, it's going to happen. They're going to hear oh. about it. If, no, 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 if, exactly. Know, so. and, and, you know, there's some, this was some comment at the Civic League, which there was, um, Susan was was actually at the um, the meeting that we had with the Armouth folks. Um, nobody from planning was at the Civic League. And um, there was some concern that by um, changing this property to HCG3, that um, sort of opening up Pandora's box. Um, and so uh, I think we'll just have to address that along with the uh, you know, as, as I was looking, actually, the, 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 in the existing 9A land use table, um, the church is actually in HCG1 now and is actually a non-conforming use because religious, you know, the church is not a uh, listed um, um, use in that district. So um, that's maybe another thing at some point that could be cleaned up, and I guess we'll just... Yeah. Do that another time, but yeah, yeah, no, this uh, it's so this is going to be a challenge, but I think we've got some good players, and we'll see if we can placate some of the concerns. Best of so, luck to you. Thank you. We do appreciate that clarification, though, Mr. Hills. Thank you, Matt. I'm calling Matt. Lenny. Looking younger every day. The motion before you is to approve. The uh, proposed or to allow the proposed text amendment to be presented for public hearing consideration. Mr. Hales. Aye. Uh, Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Halchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Dr. Newman. Aye. And Mr. Fraley. Aye. We look forward to that report next month. Thanks so very much. Good luck with that, Robin. Um, that concludes our public hearing. Um, Mr. Leader, you have anything for us, sir? No, sir. Mr. Homewood? No, sir. Commissioners, any comment or question? Hearing none, we stand adjourned. Thank you.